from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, it's Thursday, December the 15th, 2022. Glad you've tuned in. Well, coming up, we're just 10 days away from Christmas and 19 days away from Republicans taking control of the House of Representatives. You know, for those reasons, and probably a few more, all that Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer wants for Christmas is for the rest of Congress to sign off on his and Nancy Pelosi's spending priorities for next year. And an omnibus is the most balanced approach because it would contain priorities both sides want to see. Funding for Ukraine, the ECA, the Electoral Count Act, and full implementation of Chips and Science, the PACT Act, and more. We worked so hard together on these bills. Let's now work together again to implement them fully. That was Senator Schumer earlier today. It's not quite so clear that both sides agree to these uh, spending priorities. At least some are not apt to fulfill Senator Schumer's wish list. What it is is a fraud. It's a fraud. It is actually trying to end run the rules in order to jam through what? A massive $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill without any actual debate. That is what is happening right now on the floor of the House of Representatives. Nothing else. That was Texas Congressman Chip Roy on the House floor yesterday. We'll get the latest from House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, who says the Congress should not be passing a nearly year-long omnibus spending bill, circumventing the normal process just days before the 117th Congress ends. We'll also talk with Utah Senator Mike Lee, who is right now in the midst of the battle over in the Senate, where the matter will be ultimately decided by Republicans. And this shocking admission in a House Oversight Committee yesterday by an LGBTQ advocate. You do a significant amount of your work with kids even starting at age 13. Yeah. Uh, what, what would be the age of consent then in your, in your mind? Uh, in our community, the age of consent to mental health therapy is 12 years old. Now, that was uh, Texas Congressman Michael Cloud asking about children going through transgender treatment without their parents' knowledge. And at what age should a child be able to do this without parental information and guidance? You heard it, 12 years old, if I have time. We're going to talk about that and what it really means. Also, actor, author, and filmmaker Kirk Cameron joins us as the story unfolds about how he might respond to the libraries that are refusing to allow him to have a story hour to read his new faith-filled children's book. We'll talk about that. And FRC has released a new report. Hostility against churches is on the rise in the United States. The report catalogs over 400 attacks on churches in the last four years. With, a, with the number growing rapidly this year. We will uh, talk with the author of the report, Ariel Del Torco, and uh, she's the assistant director of FRC Center for Religious Liberty. We'll also talk with one of the pastors of a church that was vandalized, Pastor Amado Wazar of South Bay Pentecostal Church outside of San Diego. His church was vandalized after he raised concerns about, guess what? a drag queen story hour for children, the local public library. All right, a lot to cover in one program, so uh, we've got to get going. By the way, you might need to go back and watch it again or at least share it with family and friends if you need to. Go to TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. And by the way, I'm back on Twitter, at T Perkins. 
Our word for today comes from Isaiah 33, verse 22. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king. He will save us. In this prophetic word from Isaiah, looking toward the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, we see something very familiar. Three branches of government provided a model for our Bible literate and inspired founders. But unlike our government, where the three branches are divided to provide checks and balances or accountability, Jesus will be the judge, he'll be the lawgiver and the king. The Lord will provide perfect government. This is what a theocracy looks like. It is a government that is to come, not through an election, but through the return of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Until that day arrives, we would do well to fill the three branches of government in our country with those who know Jesus, fear God, and do their very best to follow him. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. Yesterday, the House approved a continuing resolution that if passed in the Senate and signed by President Biden before the end of Friday, averts a government shutdown, at least for a week. But with that reprieve, Democrats are continuing to push for a long-term omnibus spending package. Such a package would lock in the Schumer-Pelosi spending plan through the majority of 2023. What can we expect for the next seven days as both sides pushes to end negotiations before a December 22nd deadline? Joining me now to discuss this and more is House Republican Leader Kevin McCarthy. He represents the 23rd District of California and is set to become the next Speaker of the House in the 118th Congress. Kevin, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Now, you've been outspoken that Republicans should not agree to a long-term deal until the next Congress comes in in January. Will there be enough Republican senators to hold the line and not sign off on this Schumer-Pelosi spending plan? I hope so. I've been working with Mike Lee and others. Um, But first, for all your listeners and viewers, this is what you have to realize. The election has now taken place. The Republicans have a majority in the House. Why wouldn't we wait 20 days where we have more strength? Because what's happening right now, the two senators, the chair and the ranking member, Leahy and uh, Shelby, those are two senators who are retiring in 20 days. They're not going to be held accountable to the, the constituents or the taxpayer. They have now crafted a bill where they won't even tell us what is the number. That We do know that they're going to increase spending by 90 to almost $130 billion, but they won't even give us that number. The the omnibus is the 12 appropriation bills that we're supposed to work on all year to get done, which the Democrats did not do. Now they want to compile together all in one. And Tony, you talked about moving a continuing resolution to next week. The Democrats are doing that on purpose. Why? Because they're putting us right up next to government funding for the 23rd. Why? Because they think it'll put so much pressure on elected officials that they want to go home for Christmas, that they'll just vote for what's ever before them. One, the people who are writing aren't going to be around next time. The constituents have no input. How are you going to be able to read the bill? The bill's not going through committee. They're just compiling it together. The Democrats are in power right now. It's going to create a new baseline, and the baseline is how much we start spending with government. It's going to add another $100 billion at least. And, you know, we just set a record last month for the largest deficit in one month, $247 billion in one month. In this short fiscal new year that we had for government, 
we have now set a record because we paid more than a hundred billion dollars just in interest the interest rates are higher our debt is at a place we've never seen it before and their only answer is to spend more money that has brought us inflation why don't we just stop wait 20 days pass a longer continuing resolution so government doesn't shut down but then we can actually get some republican priorities stop the waste and wokeism secure the border become energy independent in these appropriation bills you can actually put a lot of policy in as well that that could be the very reason they do not want this to go through the process they're cobbling together as you mentioned these 13 bills that normally take almost an entire year to go through the process and there's debate at each stage of the process that's been completely circumvented, as Chip Roy made reference to, and it's being jammed in. It was jammed through the House yesterday. The Senate has it now. And to speak to this issue of, of debt, since 2008, our national debt has gone from $9 trillion to now $31 trillion. It's got to stop at some point. This looks like the perfect opportunity. As you said, the, 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 the voters of America gave Republicans control of the House of Representatives. Why did they do that? Because they want the same thing they've been getting? No, they wanted change. They watched inflation they haven't had in 40 years, and we've watched why did we get this inflation? The runaway spending of the Democrats continuing to add more. They've already increased spending by trillions of dollars. We need to eliminate that. And the other part that you bring up, Tony, that is so important, not just the spending, but these are the areas where we can have policy wins. If you let the Democrats lock in their liberal wokeism policy that goes after our families, and we get into a spending battle next year, and we end up in a continuing resolution, those policies are locked in. Why wouldn't you wait 20 days where we can make a change? We know so many times on your shows, you're bringing up the attacks that they have gone after our families, going after from all these different wokeism ideas that they're doing, we can have those wins that can say the government cannot do those things, that there are freedom, that family and faith are important to us. Because our listeners need to understand how this will work. Most of them do. They're pretty savvy. They understand the process. But in the 118th Congress, the Democrats are going to have to negotiate with you. They're going to have to negotiate with the Republicans. It's not negotiating with themselves like they are now. Now they just have to pick off... 10 Republicans, which we've seen is not that difficult to do. They re just redefined marriage and put a target on Bible-believing Christians all across this nation with 12 Republican senators. So that's not that difficult to do. But now they're going to have to give and take, and you're not going to get everything you want, but no. it's certainly going to trim the sails and, 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 and trim the wings of the Democrats in the, as you mentioned, the wokeism that's being pushed on all of America. And if you really want to see real change, look, we're in divided government. So the bills, we're going to pass a lot of great legislation out of the House. But you've got a Senate where you need 60 votes. You've got to have the president to sign it. In this, we could enact a lot of the policies that we want. We're not going to get everything that we want. But this is really one of the best opportunities in, in a divided government that we can get some new substantial policies put in. Yeah. And the other thing that we could really do is stop this wasteful spending. Right. If they're going to sit and negotiate with me, we're not going to be talking about increasing spending by $100 billion. We're going to talk about how are we eliminating some of this waste. Yeah, here, here's where I, I see the problem with, with government and what frustrates many Americans. I, from a, uh, I think this is from Politico or from The Hill. 
Uh, One GOP senator who was speaking anonymously vented frustration against you and your tactics and said he's making it tougher to wrap up the unfinished business of the 117th Congress and stirring up conservative critics. Well, I have to ask the question, should it be the priority of Republicans to put a bow on the spending of the Pelosi-Schumer priorities? I mean, that doesn't seem like that's what the voters want. No, and, and Tony, the Democrats have been in power for two years. They control the House, the Senate, and the presidency. They didn't do their jobs. And then the voters have just made another decision, that they don't want to go along the way that it's been in the past, that they want Republicans in power. But in the Senate, the two people who are crafting these bills won't even be around in 20 days. Mm. And so they won't even tell you, Tony, what is the dollar figure that they decided upon. Now, the American public lends their voice to us for two years in the House. We have a right to fight for them. So the people are in this lame duck. So they're going to craft a bill, and they're going to wonder, are they going to get enough votes for it? Well, they're, who are they going to go lobby for? People that won't be around to have to face their voters next yeah, time. It, it, it's totally wrong. Totally yeah, wrong. You, you've watched what they've done on these other bills. That's yes. the, Those are the people they're going to to get to vote for these. And it's wrong. Well, Leader, we're up against a break. You got to go, but I know you've watched this process as long as I have, and I'm hopeful that the 118th that we'll see changes because that's uh, that's what I think conservatives are looking for. Thanks so much for joining us. Always great to see you. Have a merry Thank Christmas. Thank you, Tony. God bless. Merry Christmas to you. All right, folks, we're going to continue this conversation about uh, the budget and what might happen in the next seven days. We're going to be joined next by Utah Senator Mike Lee, who has been at the epicenter of this debate in the Senate. He is trying to keep 10 Republicans from uh, joining. That's what they need, 10 Republicans. We're going to talk about it next. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. 
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, we just heard from House GOP leader, excuse me, Kevin McCarthy, on the budget situation. It passed the House, this continuing resolution, which funds the government for another week. It's over in the Senate, but there's a bigger issue here. Will the Republicans acquiesce to the demands of Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and give Democrats many of whom are on their way out, the ability to set the spending priorities for next year. They had a whole year to do this, and they didn't do it. And as has been pointed out, they're cobbling this together at the last moment, circumventing the entire process. None of this is being publicly vetted. In fact, the senators and the congressmen that are going to be voting on this will have essentially just moments to read through this bill before they have to vote on it as it's jammed up against Christmas. Join me now to discuss this and more. Senator Mike Lee, he serves on five Senate committees, including the Joint Economic Committee. He represents the state of Utah, and he's been leading the charge over in the House to draw the line on this radical spending spree that the Democrats have been on. Senator Lee, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. So I I know you have been on the floor today. It's a busy day. This is all unfolding. What's the latest? The latest is that they're trying to push through this House-passed continuing resolution that would keep the federal government funded for another seven days. What I'm proposing is that before we vote on that, we vote on my amendment to that, which would extend out the short-term spending mechanism of this House-passed bill, take it out several weeks. I think we should take it to March 10th so that we have no risk of a shutdown between now and March 10th. Now, if Congress at any point, whether it's next week or a month or so from now, if Congress wants to pass an omnibus, it may still do so. But what my amendment would allow us to do is to have that conversation in a level-headed, clear-headed way, unencumbered by the twin threat of either shutting down the government or forcing senators and congressmen to work through Christmas. Well, as, um, as you know, this can be stopped by Republicans. Uh, this, yes. This, they cannot do this. They, being the Democrats, cannot do this without Republican support. Are, Senate are Democrats your colleagues with need you? us. That's right. Senate Democrats need us. They can't pass this without Senate Republicans. At least 10 Senate Republicans have to join with the Democrats in order to pass the omnibus. So my point is that given the fact that they need us, they need our votes, given the fact that we've just had a Republican House elected in the election. Given that since 1954, 
We've seen control of the House shift from one party to another on only five occasions. And that in each of those occasions, after that election, Congress did not pass a one-size-fits-all comprehensive spending bill for the coming Congress. Uh, we shouldn't do that here. The best way to take the next step toward doing that is to take off the shutdown threat. You see, this is by design, Tony. Mm -hmm. uh, for years, I've seen this. I've been in the Senate now 12 years, and they do this with some regularity. They'll force, through an artificial contrivance of their own, they'll force us into a position where the government's set to shut down just before Christmas, in this case, right. the day before Christmas Eve, if their seven-day bill passes. And then members get tossed an omnibus bill, a one-size-fits-all spending package that I predict will be about 3,000 pages long. I predict it'll have about 7,500 earmarks in it. And they'll have literally hours to review that. It's not enough time for the public to be able to inspect it, not enough time for individual members to identify flaws and make necessary changes. So what I'm saying is this, uh, whether you're for this omnibus or not, you shouldn't be for it because it doesn't yet exist and nobody's seen it. But even if you are, you should support the Lee Amendment to the continuing resolution because the Lee Amendment would take off the threat of a shutdown. So when will there be a vote on your amendment? I expect that we'll be voting on my amendment sometime tonight. And okay. uh, I, I really think all Republicans and many Democrats should vote for it. Whether they will remains to be seen. All right, folks, 202-224-3121, the Senate switchboard. You can just tell them what state you're, if you don't know your senators, just what state you're from, and they can connect you with the office. This is reasonable. This is very reasonable, taking this threat, and I've seen it many times myself, up against the wall, into the year, forcing them to take this or shut down the government. This is a smart approach, taking it off the table. We've been talking process, Senator Lee, but there's more here that we're concerned about, that you're concerned about, than just process. This process stinks, but the contents does as well. I mean, I was just talking with uh, Kevin McCarthy about this. Since 2008 in the banking collapse, the, the housing issue, all that took place back in 2008, we've seen government debt go from eight trillion, about $9 trillion to $31 trillion just in that short period of time. We've got to change what we're doing. Indeed we do, Tony, because if we don't do it, this will become, I believe it already is, the greatest single threat to our national security, especially as in interest rates are on the rise. We're going to start to see the cost of that debt increasing uh, exponentially. It's going to get really, really ugly. You know, last year, I think we spent about $400 billion on interest on our national debt. That's quickly going to rise. Uh, uh, above that to five, six, then 700 billion. Before long, it's entirely plausible, Tony, that within two or three years, we could see our annual interest payment on our national debt as a country soar to well over a trillion dollars. And that, that's eclipsing every other single expense that we've got. Um, th this is serious, and it, this is not a good time for us to be continuing to spend money well in excess of what we're bringing in. You know, we're, we're on track if they pass this, to spend about $6 trillion this year. Uh, prior to the pandemic, we were spending just over $4 trillion a year. And yet our, our government then, it's not like the government didn't exist or that it was underfunded. We were spending too much then, too. But if we just stuck to what we were spending then and didn't increase it, uh, tax revenues would be almost enough to bring us to balance by that point. We can do this. 
We've just got to get off of this nonsensical assumption that we can continue astronomical, uh, to have these astronomically high annual deficits. With the interest rates rising, as well as the deficits increasing, I mean, we could be at a point where we're having to borrow money just to pay the interest on the money that we've borrowed. At that point, we're insolvent. Uh, Senator, we're out of time. I want to thank you for leading the charge over here, and we're going to encourage our folks to, uh, to call in and encourage their senators to stand with you on this reasonable approach. Thank you very much, Tony. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. All right, folks, 202-224-3121. Senator Lee's a great guy. So he's fighting the conservative calls, constitutional calls, the common sense approach. Let's stand with him. All right, don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15-week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Washington Watch, good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, you might remember last week when Kirk Cameron joined me to discuss his new book, As You Grow. Uh, more than 50 public libraries rejected his offer to host a children's story hour in their building, even though many host other programs such as Drag Queen Story Hours. Now, since I last spoke with Kirk, uh, things have changed. Some libraries uh, have reached out to open their buildings for readings, even as uh, Kirk and his uh, publisher indicated they're prepared to go to court to assert their rights under the Constitution. Others still saying, no, no, we, we've got to, it doesn't fit our plans. Well, join me now to, uh, to give us an update on this is actor, producer, and author Kirk Cameron. Kirk, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. Good to see you. All right. Well, uh, yeah, good to, give us the update. 
So the, the update is, <clears throat> since the last time we've talked, uh, we have drafted up some letters, uh, hoping that this is just a misunderstanding, particularly to those public libraries who are denying access to biblical values and the teaching of the fruit of the spirit to kids in their communities. Uh, we have been inundated with parents, grandparents and librarians who are saying there are millions of families out there who would love to have their children taught the values of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So we wrote a couple of letters, which are actually uh, able to be read by the public on our website at bravebooks.com to uh, some of those libraries saying, uh, here's a free book, please review it, keep it as a gift, uh, would love to come and hope this was just a previous misunderstanding. But if you uh, insist on excluding uh, members of the community like me, uh, who share values with millions of others in the country just because you don't like them, well, uh, I'm prepared to assert my constitutional rights in court, which we will do, but I'm hopeful that uh, this will actually turn around and be a great victory and that I'll be headed to uh, Indiana and, and New York and some other places to be able to read my book as you grow. Give us some of the reasons that these libraries have told you that uh, you can't come in, you can't read your book. Well, the reasons that they gave to us uh, were uh, such as our messaging doesn't align. We are a queer friendly library. And I thought, well, which message doesn't align? Love, kindness, gentleness? And I said, well, is there some process by which I could submit the book and you could review it, maybe fill out a form? And uh, the reply was, you can fill out a form, you can reserve the space, but we will not run your program. Uh, another said that they had a strategic um, process in place and they're really focusing on authors of color. So I don't have the right color of skin for the ability to read a children's book in a public library according to some uh, maybe uh, maybe you have you just have some of your family go and read it just get different people to go and and, and read the book it, it, it's it's the message it's the message that they're opposed to and what's what's interesting to me Kurt and I don't know maybe you're maybe you're not surprised by it how blatant they are in stating why they're opposed to your book yeah and, and, and that's one of the good things about all of this is that parents, grandparents, librarians are rising up and they're saying, uh, this is obviously not good. This is not right. And we need to wake up because when we're asleep, we're unaware, we're unengaged. But now that we're awake, we must engage. And parents are doing that. They're, they're waking up and they're wanting a copy of not just my book, but, but lots of good, wholesome books of virtue for children, and right. they're wanting to know how to host their own story hour in that, their local public library. That, that's great. And we talked about this actually after we lost you. We lost connection with you last time, but we were saying, you know, this is something pastors ought to do in every community, get a copy of your book or another yes. book and call the public library and go in and read, offer to read the books to, uh, to the children. I think it's a great way to combat what is happening in there. Now, let me just ask you this quick and very quick question very quickly before we run out of time. Uh, based on your letters and the message that, hey, I'm we're going to ex uh, uh, exert our constitutional rights, we may have to take you to court, have any of those doors opened yet? We're still waiting for responses from these libraries. I'm hopeful that they will. I'm hopeful to have new news and to be able to update you with all of that and that uh, I'll be getting on an airplane soon. So as soon as I get 
uh, solid news, uh, I will let you know. All right. Well, we definitely want to know about it because we would like to uh, to report on it. And who knows, maybe if it's a library where I can get to, I'll, I'll come and join you. That would be great. I hope everybody joins us. We need to fill the libraries with with parents who love their children and invest in their future. I think this is great. I appreciate you taking this on and uh, we pray for your success in this and opening the doors and opening the books to children with faith-filled biblical messages that will encourage them and help them grow in such a way that they will prosper and will all benefit from it. Kirk Cameron, great to see you. Have a uh, very Merry Christmas. Thanks, Tony. Merry Christmas to you too. All right, uh, Kirk Cameron. This is really good. So it sparked, and and some of this was already happening, but I think, uh, you know, Kirk and his uh, publisher, by pushing this, has really brought attention to it. But it's opened the door for many others. And I I would say for pastors in local communities and others, but I think pastors are well positioned to do this, to, to volunteer. Maybe it's your children's minister in your church or someone else. Contact a local, whether they have a library board or whatever the process might be in your community, but offer to go in and read some of these books. You can get Kirk's book, or there's other books, but Kirk's would be a great one. And let's counter the darkness with the light. We've got all these drag queen story hours going on. Well, let's uh, let's talk about the King of Kings. Let's have a let's have a King of Kings story hour and read truth to the children. Speaking of that, coming up next, we're gonna, we have a report just released by the Family Research Council of the rising attacks on churches over the last four years. We're going to talk with one of those pastors whose church was vandalized on the other side of this break. Don't. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you, so be sure and uh, check it out. Now, earlier today, the Family Research Council released a report showing that physical attacks on America's churches have increased by almost 300 percent in 2022 versus four years ago in 2018. Now, the report documents 137 attacks this year already, and the year's not even over. Now, these incidents include vandalism, arson, gun-related incidents, bomb threats, and more. Now, this increase in religious hostility, quite frankly, should not be taken lightly and must be condemned. We shouldn't be surprised, though, as we see an administration that, quite frankly, is ignoring what, we, what we've seen just in the last uh, six months. Well, joining me now to discuss this is a pastor whose own church was vandalized with satanic imagery when he spoke out against a drag queen story hour for children at a public library. Pastor Amado Wezar of South Bay Pentecostal Church in Chula Vista, California. Pastor Amado, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me, Tony. It's good to be back with you. Good to see you. Um, good to see you too. Your church was vandalized with this uh, satanic imagery. Now, the number of attacks has only increased since yours. Yours was actually one of the first. And based on your experience, what would you say to other pastors and congregations? Well, it's really important to be vigilant. I think for a long time, America has, we've been privileged to have the freedoms to worship freely, to go to our houses of worship and really not worry about vandalism or even worry about going to the house of God and then walking out and facing any type of ridicule or any uh, safety concerns. Well, now that's all changed dramatically. And so since then, we have had to stand up. We have had to look at some security measures and have had put a plan in place to be able to protect our, our congregants, and that's important. And since then, uh, Tony, uh, sadly, uh, we have had over 15 other incidents uh, attacking our church. And even today, today, I, I surprised, I'm not surprised anymore. We're dealing with this and with our administration uh, recently, even this week, bringing in drag queens to the White House. They don't belong anywhere. We got to continue to stand up. And I just appalled by where we're headed. And so churches need to be vigilant. I am urging every every church leader to no longer sit on your laurels, no longer just sit back and wait. We need to be vigilant and protect the house of God. And, And that means proclaiming truth and speaking the word of God 
not only to those that are sitting in our pews, but as pastors, we need to be proclaiming that truth to our communities, which we should take as uh, a responsibility to, to, to shepherd and to pastor. The, the, the motives behind this are quite clear. It is designed to silence and intimidate. And you spoke out against this, uh, what we would call sexualizing and abusing our children by doing these drag queen story hours to toddlers. You spoke out, church was attacked. It was designed to silence you, but you haven't been silenced. No, sir, we have not. And really, it has not stopped us. We are going to continue to stand up and to speak out. It's our God-given mandate to do so. We have children, we have families, we have people that are voiceless, and we are called to be the shepherds. We are the watchmen on the walls to speak out. And really, now is not the time to back down. Now is the time for us to stand on the Word of God. And I'm thankful, Tony, for your uh, your contributions daily, your devotions that remind us to continue to be outspoken on the word, with the Word of God to declare the truth. And now time is of the essence. As you have... Uh boldly spoken out the Word of God. And, and it's it's something you've been doing. I mean, it's 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 what most pastors used to do and what most pastors, sh- is what pastors should be doing. It's just simply preaching the Word of God and challenging their people to do the work of the ministry. And that means living out our faith in such a way yeah. that it speaks to others about the hope that's within us and why we live differently and the peace that we have, all of those things. How has this impacted your church? Has this drawn more people in because they have seen there's hope here? There's something different here? This is not a church that's going to shrink back in the face of intimidation? Absolutely. We have seen people come to visit our church and even have become members of our church because they have realized that we are not just uh, four walls and we're just singing our songs and then going home, having programs and then going home, but we are standing on who we are. We are Um, We are apostolic, just like they were in in the days of the apostles, and we are not going to go back. We're we're not going to stray away from that. And so really, it has caused others to join forces with us. And other churches, Tony, I'm so thankful that other churches have risen from the ranks, and they say, you know what, we're going to join forces with you. And churches throughout have come out and reached out, and they said, thank you for speaking out, because it's given us courage, and it's given us hope. And that is the desire, that is the, the, the hope that other churches can stand up and we can just see the United States have a revival of strong churches in our land. Final question for you, Pastor Amato. Um, the administration has, in my, they've done nothing, as we've saw, as we, we have seen, um, hundreds of, uh, over a hundred attacks on pro-life uh, organizations and, and churches uh, in the wake of the Dobbs decision, no prosecutions. But uh, the Washington Times reporting on our report reached out to the White House uh, for a response to our report. And they said that, quote, uh, President Biden has pledged to do everything in his power to protect congregations. Um, nice words. I, I don't see the action. If you had the opportunity, what would you say to President Biden? Uh, really, his words have not matched up to a lot of action. And so what what I would want to see is written legislation, something that is going to be written that is going to protect us. And right now, the only thing protecting us are the Supreme Court justices. And I'm thankful for the previous administration putting in some justices will, that for, for the time being will preserve any uh, religious freedoms that we have. 
And so that's what I would really ask of our current administration to, and our, our current legislators to put something in writing that protects us. And that's the biggest fear that we have right now. Yeah, and, but, but they're doing the opposite. When they're pushing uh, legislation that celebrates transgenderism and, you know, as right. you mentioned, having an event at the White House where they signed the Disrespect for Marriage Act and they had drag queens there, uh, that puts you, that pits you against uh, the president. The president welcomes drag queens. You say they shouldn't be reading books to children. That makes you the bad guy. So their Absolutely. actions actually are working to endanger churches and those who hold to a biblical view of human sexuality. Pastor Amato, I want to thank you for joining us. Always great to see you. Uh, thank you for standing strong on the Word of God. Thank you, Tony. We appreciate all that you do. All right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. God bless. All right. This report, uh, it, it's pretty eye-opening. Yeah, it, you know, you hear about it from time to time, but when you actually catalog and you document all these different attacks that have taken place and you see the escalation, it's not too hard to connect the dots. Now, um, the reason for this project was that FRC wanted hard data as we pushed for public policy changes to address this spike in violence, particularly after the leaked draft of the Supreme Court Dobbs decision that I made reference to earlier. And uh, quite frankly, there was plenty of data to work with. Joining me now to, uh, to talk about this is the author of the report, Ariel Del Turco. She's the assistant director of the Center for Religious Liberty here at the Family Research Council. Ariel, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to be with you, Tony. Okay, let's start with some of the hard numbers for what you found. Um, if I read this correctly, 420 acts of hostility against churches occurred between 2018 and September 2022 across 46 states and the and Washington DC. What else did you find? Yeah, so going into this report, we were just trying to assess um, whether this perception that we had that uh, vandalisms and attacks and other incidences against churches uh, were on the rise. And we found that to be true. So we looked at five years, January 2018, just through September of 2020, not even the full year yet. Um, and we found a steady increase over those five years with a slight dip in 2020, likely due to a lack of movement overall during that year with the pandemic. So we found 420 incidences against churches total. And this year had the most, and we only tracked through September um, with 137. Now, a lot of those related to the Dobbs decision this year? Yeah, so we noticed a trend where there was intense political tension, uh, specifically when the left was very angry. We saw a spike in um, attacks against churches, and that was most prominent after the leak of the Dobbs decision um, from the Supreme Court. Uh, we found just uh, 57 pro-abortion acts of hostility against churches this year alone, and most of those occurred after the leak. So clearly people were very angry about that, and we're directing it against uh, churches and religious institutions uh, in addition to pregnancy resource centers. Now, I know this was not a part of the report. The report did not track um, law enforcement activity related to this, but are we aware of any uh, charges that have been filed in these cases from the federal government? Yeah, that was beyond the scope of the 
report, uh, but for the amount of incidences that we've seen, we've heard very little about responses from law enforcement. And I think that just goes back to the priorities of this administration and maybe um, local authorities across the country. Uh, you have to look at what they're prosecuting. And I just don't think religious freedom is a priority and um, people's ability to live out their faith, even uh, in places of worship. Mm, amazing. Now, let me let me ask you this. Uh, of course, any attack on a church is is terrible and, and shouldn't happen. We shouldn't have any vandalism. We should have attack on any institution. Um, but did, did any one or two of the incidents that you were tracking did they jump out to you as particularly jarring? Yeah, and I think there can be a tendency to brush this off as, oh, it's just vandalism, it's random, it's not targeting Christians, it doesn't represent uh, hostility against Christians. I think we need to be careful about brushing this aside, because when a church is attacked, let's say red paint is splattered over a statue of Jesus in front of a church, what is that supposed to make that the congregants of that church feel, uh, those pastors feel? It's intimidating, and sometimes that's the intent. It's to interrupt uh, the normal workings of a church. This is something we need to guard against, uh, but particularly, I think, in the wake of Dobbs, uh, we saw a lot of very disturbing incidences, including uh, protesters interrupting church services or staging die-ins, uh, lots of fake red blood uh, splattered across churches. These are all meant to be threatening and intimidating, and I don't think I think we should take them seriously. Yeah, we had uh, there's cases of arson as well. So it was just wasn't just the interruption spray paintings. We had some very, I mean, uh, I think we had some fire bombs that went off in some of these uh, these churches. It, it, it is intimidating and, and it's designed. It's an act of terrorism, really, is what it is. It's designed to to intimidate these believers, but it's 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 it goes beyond that. When you when you make the the church a church a target of this vandalism, it's designed to marginalize religion in a society. And this has broader implications for society. And I think it's really kind of a symptomatic, uh, it's a symptom, I should say, of of the collapse in moral and social order in a society. And and that's why it should be alarming to to everyone, not just the congregants of, of the church that was attacked. Yeah, you're exactly right, Tony. I think this is a symptom of just an overall a culture that's growing increasingly rapidly secular. Uh, people understand religion less and less. They understand why it's important less and less, whereas there might have been a reverence and a respect for religious institutions in the past, even if uh, someone didn't believe in that religion. Uh, there was a greater respect. I, I just think that's eroding. And I think it's uh, being heightened by these political debates where uh, Christians are maybe taking a stand that uh, is increasingly unpopular in a secular culture. I think this is especially apparent um, on the life issue and on uh, a Christian view of marriage and on other issues that um, represent a Christian worldview. Uh, An increasingly secular culture just doesn't tolerate it. Well, we just had Pastor Amato Wizar on whose church uh, in California was targeted after he spoke out against a uh, drag queen story hour at the local public library. And the church, 
A Bible-believing church has positions that are fixed. They're fixed on the Word of God. God's Word doesn't change. Therefore, our views of human sexuality and marriage cannot change. And I think this is what is made, as you said, as the society becomes more secular, and I would say as it rejects truth, uh, it, it sees the church as an obstacle and therefore has to, uh, to, to marginalize, target it for the purpose of silencing it and pushing it out of the way. All the more reason that we need to uh, speak the truth, speak it in love, but we must continue to speak the truth so that we are that light in an increasingly dark culture. Yeah, in religious freedom, the ability to practice and live out your faith freely, uh, including going to worship services without fear, that doesn't just rely on laws, it relies on cultural support. So as a matter of building this robust cultural support for religious freedom, we as individuals need to be condemning these attacks very loudly, not ignoring them, not allowing them to be swept under the rug. But also we should be demanding that our political leaders condemn these attacks as well. Uh, They need to be uh, educating Americans on what's important, and that includes religious freedom. Yeah, I hope to see the 118th Congress next year take up this topic and uh, look at it. Ariel, thanks so much for joining us. Good work on, uh, on the report. Thank you, Tony. Folks, out of time for today. I want to thank you for joining us. As always, great to be with you. But until next time, let me leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul. Found in Ephesians 6 where he says, When you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.